So in everything, do to others what you would have them do to you. For this sums up the law and the prophets. Enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many enter through it. But small is the gate and narrow the road that leads to life, and only a few find it. Good morning, everyone. You know, that text indicates that, uh, that there are two characteristics of not only the entry into life, but, but also uh, the, the way that you walk. So he's, he's talking about a straight and narrow, and, and the word straight is spelled without a G, so it's not meaning in a beeline, but it means narrow or thin. Both of these terms mean that. It means confined. So the gate is confined, it's narrow, it's thin. And the road is confined, it's narrow, and it's thin. So, but he's saying at this text, what, what this text says, Jesus is saying that there are few that go in. There are very few that get through that gate. And he also says that uh, there are few that find the way to life. Now, several things are easy to assume from this verse. And that is that Jesus came in order to identify to you and to me, where the gate is and how we can find it. And he also came to be a guide along that road, the straight and narrow way, so that he's going to lead us through a treacherous path of this world, lead us safely through. So Jesus came to seek and to save, get the term, the lost. Now, It's obvious to a rational thinking person that we live in a confused and confusing world. We've lost our way. We've lost our way in so many different ways. We really don't know where we're going. Now that isn't to say that we don't have life goals that we're trying to achieve, that we don't have something we're trying to do with our life, But it means basically that somehow we've lost our direction in life. We've lost our compass. Basically, we've lost our moral compass and our ethical compass. We know how we ought to work with our hands and how we can accomplish certain things that we want to get done in life. We know how to fix our cars. Maybe. It's getting more complicated. But somebody knows how to fix them. We know what to do when we get sick, and we know what to do in order to to make progress on our employment, on our jobs, on our careers. We know all of these things. What we've gotten confused about is who we are. Who we are. And so I've, I've selected this illustration. You know what that is? Somebody said it's a maze. It's not amazing, it's a maze. A maze. maze, These things came into popularity and came into existence, apparently, somewhere around the 15th or 16th century on the European continent. And they became very popular. Now, these these are pathways that are constructed of uh, shrubs, bushes. Some of them were about chest high, and so as you walk through them, you could see where you're going. 
eventually they grew up over the normal person's head. They couldn't see where they were going. And they were so designed that you could get confused and couldn't get from one end to the other. You just wandered around in the maze and they weren't marked. So there's no way you could know. And if somebody followed that maze, they'd have to come back and, and point it out to you or drop breadcrumbs or Hansel and Gretel. But the, the idea is these mazes were designed for you to be confused. And that's where we're at as far as we are as a people. We really don't know who we are. And it's getting more confusing all the time. Society does not know what a home is, what a marriage is. A man, a woman, and a child. Confused. Some of the most basic elements of our society were confused about it. Well, I'm not confused, and you're probably not confused. But the world is confused, and the world is trying, because they are confused, to confuse you. Okay? Now, I know that I'm a, a male, and I know my wife is a female, and I know what my children are, male and female. But some people are confused. They don't know that. Now, I sympathize with them over that. I, I do. If they don't, can't figure out who they are, they need, to, they need to get some guidance and find out who they are. They're not an it. They're either she or he. They're either male or female. That's what they are. But they're, they're saying, we don't know, and we don't want you call us, calling us what you don't know what we are. So it's confusing. Now, I, like I say, I, I'm sympathetic with that. For a person not to know, actually, that such a, such a basic concept that they don't know who they are genetically. They don't know that. What is more confusing is they, they want to confuse me about who they are. They're not content with being confused. They want you confused as well. They want to confuse everyone. Well, this text talks about the fact that we have a gate that we can walk through that will eliminate the confusion in our lives. And we're, again, we're not talking about what type of occupation you would follow, what sort of career you want for yourself, what you want to accomplish in this life. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about the type of person that God wants you to be. God said we're lost. Lost how? In a maze? We're lost in such a way that we don't know who we are or what we should be, but we do know something, and that is that someone came to this earth to straighten that out for us. And his name is Jesus. He came to tell us who we are and what we are and what we ought to be. Now, we could go on with this in this concept, and I think we should. Now, God really doesn't, is no, of no concern to him whether or not you become a plumber in your life or an electrician or whether you become a stockbroker or whether you become a white-collar worker or whether you become a common laborer, whether you become a mechanic, whether you're a nurse, whether you're a doctor, and whatever occupation you follow, that's not the concern. God doesn't care how you do that, only that you do it as the right type of person. You follow? You can be a plumber, but be an honest plumber. You see what I'm talking about? You can be a stockbroker, but don't cheat. 
Be an honest stockbroker. Be a stockbroker with integrity. You can be a doctor, but don't take shortcuts with people's lives. And don't become so greedy that you don't care about your patients, you care more about your money. You see what I'm saying? God came to save us from these things. Not to guide us into some sort of career path, but to take us out of our maze and take us through a gate that will lead into an area where we know where we're going and who we're following and who we are. He wants to restore our moral, ethical compass so that we have a GPR that tells us where we're going and that is in the person of Jesus Christ. Now let's talk about that gate. There is a gate. There's a way to get started. Now, Jesus said, straight is the gate and narrow is the way and few there be that find it. But I think I'm talking to people that have found it. I believe that. I believe you found that gate. But let's, let's talk a little bit more about that gate. Let's get some more information. Luke chapter 13, verse 22. I'm going to start reading there. He went through the cities and villages, teaching and journeying toward Jerusalem. Then said one unto him, Lord, are there few to be saved? Now, this is basically the same context we were talking about in the book of Matthew. He said unto them, Strive to enter in at the straight gate. For many, I say unto you, will seek to enter in and shall not be able. Many will try to get in. Now, that's different than what we just read a while ago. It says, when once the master of house has risen up and is shut to the door, you begin to stand outside and to knock at the door, saying, Lord, Lord, open unto us. He shall answer and say unto you, I don't know who you are. Then shall you begin to say, well, we've eaten and drunk in your presence, and you've taught in our streets. But he shall say, I tell you, I don't know you. Depart from me, all you workers of iniquity. Some are not going to be able to get through the gate. Now, one of the first things we note is the consternation of some who believe they are gatekeepers, but they're not. There's only one gate, and there's only one gatekeeper. So nobody can keep you out of the gate except Jesus. He can shut the door. He can shut the door and not let you in, not let me in. So, Jesus said in John 14, verse 6, He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes unto the Father but by me. So, there's not a ton of gates around. There's not a plethora of gates all over the world where you can get in. There's one. And Jesus said, I am the way. And that's how straight it is. That's how narrow it is. And the gate opens into the kingdom. Jesus said, I'm the one. And He said in John chapter 10, that he was the door, which is the same thing as the gate. Now, we do know that we can get in. That's, that's, that's a uh, given. Because when Jesus came, he said in Matthew 7, verse 7, he says, Ask, and it will be given unto you. Seek it, and you'll find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. So we, we have that promise. Second Peter 1, verse 11 says, So an entrance shall be administered unto you abundantly, into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. But Luke's text tells us that some of us can't get in. We can't get in. And the reason is that we're trying to get in illegitimately. We want to get in the way that he does not, he does not want us in. He does not want certain individuals through that gate. Listen to this. Galatians 5, verse 19 through 21. 
The works of the flesh are manifest, which are these. Adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, addictions, seditions, heresies, envies, murders, drunkenness, revelings, such like of the which I tell you before, as I told you in times past, they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. You can't get in burdened down with these things. That type of person is not going to get in. The door is going to be shut. 1 Corinthians 6, verse 9 through 11 says, Know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Unrighteous can't get in. Be not deceived, neither fornicators. So when we're wondering about what fornication is, all we have to do is read the New Testament, read the Gospel of Jesus Christ. Jesus said, I'm the way, I'll tell you. If you want to know what it is, you can find out easily enough. The world may be confused about it. The world may not know that that sex between the same genders is fornication, or that sex outside the marriage bond is fornication, or pornography is fornication. The world may not know that, but Jesus knows that, and Jesus has set that principle in the New Testament. So all we have to do is look in the New Testament and find out what is fornication, what isn't fornication. We don't have to be confused. Get out of the maze. We don't have to do that. We don't have to wonder about who we are because Jesus will tell us who we are. Now, he said, Be not deceived, neither fornicators, idolaters, adulterers, nor effeminate, nor abusers of themselves with mankind, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners, shall inherit the kingdom of God. But such were some of you. You're washed, you're sanctified, you're justified in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. So we can get in, but we're going to, we have to leave all that other stuff behind. You've got to have to stop that. You're washed, you're sanctified, you're justified. Now, when a rich young man asked the question, Lord, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? He wanted to get on the road. He wanted to come through the gate. And he wanted to get started. And Jesus said, keep the commandments. And he said, which ones? And so Jesus gave him some that, the, that didn't set well with the young man. And then, then he told him that, that uh, the rich can't get in. Because the young man went away sorrowful. Jesus said, sell what you have, give to the poor, and come follow me. And the young man said, I can't do that. And he went away sorrowful. In Mark chapter 10, verse 24 and 25, it says, The disciples were astonished at his words. That surprised them that he would say something like that. Jesus answered again and said unto them, Children, how hard it is for those that trust in riches to enter into the kingdom of God. You cannot come into the, you can't get through the door trusting in riches. You, you can't bring your greed and avarice with you. It won't work. He said, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of God. So there's another door that's shut. Greediness, avariciousness. You can't bring that with you. You've got to leave all that behind. Leave all your confidence and riches behind. Now that's getting pretty narrow, isn't it? Well, you can't back through the gate either. You know, I shouldn't tell you this, but there's no kids here, I can tell you. When I was a kid, me and some other ne'er-do-wells, young guys, would go to the movies. 
We didn't have any money to get the movies. Twelve cents is what it took. We didn't have it. So when the movie was letting out, we would walk in the backwards with the crowd to make it look like we were coming out. So we could go in. We always got caught. Anyway, we couldn't even get in the movies backwards. You can't get through the narrow gate backwards. You can't back yourself in. Jesus said unto him, Luke 9, 62, No man having put his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. So you can't go through the gate backwards. The gate isn't concealed because it can be found by a child. It's not that concealed. You say, well, it's, where is the gate? It's not, if we knock, he'll open. If we seek, we'll find. Even the child can find it. It's that obvious, but not obvious to those of us who are burdened with other things. Matthew chapter 18, verse 3, Jesus said, Except ye be converted and become like little children, you shall not enter the kingdom of heaven. So the childlike attitude can get you through the narrow gate. And in John chapter 3, verse 3, Jesus answered and said unto him, Fairly I say unto you, he's talking to Nicodemus, Except a man be born again, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. A man must be born of water and of the Spirit to come through the gate. Enter the gate. So there, there are entrance requirements before we can get through the gate. In Matthew 16, 19, Jesus told Peter this. He said, I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatsoever you will bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatsoever you shall loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. So Peter had some keys. I guess that's where people get the idea that Peter is standing up somewhere in the clouds, guarding a gate into heaven, and only those people that Peter lets have access to can get into heaven. That's not what he's talking about. He's talking about that gate that's here now. And Peter had the keys to the kingdom, and so he could open that gate, people could come through. But not just Peter, but it was the rest of the apostles as well. Because in Matthew 18, 18 through 20, he's talking to the other apostles. We sometimes think this is talking to us. It's really not. The primary application of this is, the other 11 apostles Jesus was talking to, he said, I say unto you, whatsoever you shall bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. That's the same terminology he used to Peter. He told Peter the same thing. I'm going to give you the keys. Whatever you will bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Loose on earth will be loose in heaven. And he's telling these men this. He said, whatsoever you shall loose on earth shall be loose in heaven. I say unto you that if two of you shall agree on earth as touching anything, two of the apostles agreeing on a doctrine, that was right. So if they had a question in their mind, what, am I teaching what is right? All they had to do is check with another apostle, two of them, and if they agreed that well, it was right. It doesn't mean that if you get together with somebody else and you think something's right, the two of you can make it right. That's not, that's not at all what he's saying. He's talking about the kingdom of heaven, and he's talking about the gate. He's saying, the two of you, if you have any question, when you agree, then it shall be done. Whatsoever you ask, it'll, it'll be done for you. Of my Father which is in heaven, where two or three are gathered together in my name, there am I in the midst of them. So these apostles, when they came together, they did that in Acts chapter 15. You can read that context. Where the apostles got together and decided an issue. They were questioning whether or not they should still be teaching circumcision. The apostle Paul said no. 
Apostle Peter said, maybe. James said, I don't think so. We need to do it. So they all got together and decided on the truth. Two or three gathered together, their mind the midst of them. Okay. Jesus described this key that he was giving to Peter and the apostles. He described this key as the key of knowledge. Do you get that? So that means we have to take a look at what the Bible says, what the gospel says, what the word of God says, and get the knowledge we, we need to find the gate. In Luke 11 verse 52, Jesus condemned some that were trying to hide that key so you couldn't unlock that door and get through that gate. He said, Woe unto you lawyers, you have taken away the key of knowledge. They were confusing people. You have taken away the key of knowledge, for you have not entered in yourself, and you were hindering those who were trying to get in. They were confusing them. The Word of God describes the gate, how we're able to pass through. Faith shows us the gate, and the Word of God creates faith in us. I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. It's the power of God unto salvation. So we know what God wants because we can read it in the gospel. That's the key of knowledge. Okay? So we get faith in Jesus Christ. We have faith in Him. He's the gatekeeper. He can open the gate for us. And then this passage involves, the, the gate involves a password. Before I can go through that gate, I have to give Him the password. Jesus keeps the gate. And you know what my password is? I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. He is the Son of God. That's the password. I can't go through that gate without making that confession. And then I'm washed. Then if you confess your mouth the Lord Jesus Christ, believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, you'll be saved. With the heart man believes unto righteousness, with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. And then we're baptized, just like Jesus told Nicodemus. Except a man be born again. Of water and the Spirit, he cannot get in the kingdom. So now the gate is open. We've, we've given the password. We're washed. Remember what he said? Such were some of you, but you're washed, but you're sanctified, but you're justified. So we have to get clean to come through the gate. And that, is, of course, is through baptism. Now, Philippians chapter 2, verse 15 through 16 says, That you may be blameless and harmless, the sons of God without rebuke, in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation among whom you shine as lights in the world, holding forth the word of life, that I may jo- rejoice in the day of Christ that I have not run in vain, neither labored in vain. So what we've, we've done, when we go through the gate, we are not gatekeepers. I cannot tell people that they can't come in or can come in. I'm not a gatekeeper. I don't open and shut the gate. What I do is, as a Christian... Now, this is why I said when I started, I'm talking to Christians. I'm talking to people who have come through the gate. What responsibility and what, what, what can we do about the gate? Well, I don't want to be covering it up with a false doctrine. Okay? I don't want to be, I don't want to, want to be putting it in the shade, in the darkness, so people can't, groping around can't find it. I don't want to put it in a maze so complicated that people can't understand how they can get through it. What I need to do as a Christian is put a light on it, right? That's what this text says. You also are as lights in the world. So that's my responsibility. I'm not a gatekeeper. I'm a a light giver. Now once we get through that straight gate then, now, now I'm on my way. And I 
I don't, I don't try to disguise the, the door and I don't try to confuse people. What, what I do is try to open the Word of God and say, look, here's what the Bible says. Here's what the gate is. Here's what the Bible says that we should or shouldn't be doing in the Lord. This, this is my job, is put some light on that gate so other people can see it. Now, once I get through that gate, then I'm, I'm walking a narrow walkway. And I'm walking the path that Jesus has marked out for me because there's perils and dangers on every side. He's trying to keep me out of the swamps, swampland. He's trying to keep me out of the minefield, and that's exactly what the world is. It's a minefield. He's trying to make sure that I'm walking straight and narrow, that I'm confined, that, that I'm, I'm walking behind him and I'm following him because I don't know the way. I don't know the way. But I know who knows the way. I know that Jesus knows the way. Now, it's obvious that we don't know the way. This business of a maze is, is just impressive to me. Because I know the world has lost its way. I know that. And you know that too. Unless you're, unless you're living in a bubble, you know that the world is so totally confused about right and wrong. We, we don't even know what's right or wrong in terms of crime. We don't know what's right and wrong in terms of criminal behavior or bad behavior or unneighborly behavior. We've all made our, we've, we started to make all sorts of definitions of right and wrong. We just don't know that. But I do know this. I do know that Jesus knows. And he has known, and everywhere the name of Jesus is mentioned and taught, people improve and find their way. They know where they're going. If they're following Jesus, they know where they're going. Because he is the way. Although it's bordered by danger and treachery, it's well marked for us. He's marked it out for us. Jeremiah 10.23, Jeremiah said, O Lord, I know the way of man is not in himself. It's not in man that walks to direct his own steps. Now I can say, well, this is a narrow, confining way. Lord, can't we kind of get some elbow room here? I, 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 don't, want to, I don't want to be restricted so much. But the point is, I don't really know where I'm going without Him. Jesus is my compass. Jesus is my GPR. Jesus is my GPS. Jesus is, is my magnetic compass. He's, he's, he's my moral direction. Isaiah chapter 5, verse 20 says, Woe unto them call evil good and good evil, that put darkness for light and light for darkness, that put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. We're living, we're living in a, and we've always lived in this, but it's getting worse and worse, it seems like, in a terrible time of confusion. If we're left to our own imaginations, we're bound to veer off that path and get into an area that is perilous to us. We thank God that He sent Jesus to be our guide. He is our way. And you know what Paul said? He said in 2 Timothy chapter 1, at verse 12, he said, I know whom I have believed, and I am persuaded that He is able to keep me. So Paul said, I know whom I have believed. He's able to keep me. Jesus can keep me. I know who I believe. And so I don't have any problem when people begin to tell me that they're confused about who they are, what they are, what we should do and what we shouldn't do. I've got to turn my attention back to Jesus and say, I know, Lord, where you're going and I'm going to follow you. Because you've always been right and you always will be right. You'll always have the truth on every subject that I'm looking at that pertains to my character. 
I'm not looking to you to get credentialed in uh, automotive mechanics. I'm not looking to you for, to get a degree in, uh, in philosophy. I'm looking to you, Lord, to help me become who I should be, the character I should have, and the individual I should be right in this life so I can get through this life, not confused, but I can follow you to the end of my life and know where I'm going. Because you came to save me. You came to save me because I was lost, not because I was just mildly confused. You came because I was totally lost. I didn't know where I was. I need to find out. Paul said, Be ye followers of me, even as I also am of Christ. When we have doubts of the sort of advice that we receive from your fellow human beings about the type of person you, uh, you should be, those doubts don't get any better if you have more people voicing them. So if someone says, well, I think this is okay, I think this is wrong, I think this is okay, and there's a confusion about right and wrong over what, what should be and shouldn't be, the only way I can get my balance in this life is to turn my life back and my heart back to the one that's going to take me to heaven. His name is Jesus. It's the gospel way. And it's the only reliable and proven source of information that we have to tell us how to think and how we should conduct ourselves while we're alive on this earth. The gospel of Jesus Christ is the highest moral and ethical ground we have to stand on. There's no higher. No higher. If we stray from the narrow path, we'll miss our destination. I'm, I'm confident of that. If I get off the path, I'm not going where I should be going. There's not multiple ways to heaven. There's only one way. There's only one way. Jesus, he said, I am the way. And if we get lost, it's because we've shut our eyes to the light. The light is in the light of God's word. We shut our, we, we, we're in the dark. Now, Paul said in 2 Corinthians 4, verse 3 and 4, he says, if our gospel be hid, that is, if the word of God, which is the light to us, it's our light. If the word of God is hidden, it's hidden to them that are lost. In whom the God of this world has blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. Okay. Those who are following the narrow way are following the way of Jesus Christ. That does not mean that when you follow the narrow way that you are narrow-minded. I want you to get that one. Of everything that I've said so far, you're not judgmental or narrow-minded because you're walking with Jesus on the narrow way. You, you, you may be a broad-minded individual. You may be, a, and you probably are, you may be generous of spirit. You may be compassionate over all about all of the people around you and the troubles they have, and that's the way you ought to be. But you're not narrow-minded simply because you're following a narrow path. You're not judgmental because you're allowing the judgment of Jesus Christ to guide you the way you should go. Okay. Following the narrow way does not preclude a proper love for your neighbor or broad sympathy. If you're walking the narrow way, that does not mean that you don't love your neighbor with a great broadness of spirit. You love them. 
But that doesn't mean that you can try to get them to heaven without them being on the narrow way. Telling them, oh, it's okay, you can believe whatever you want to. The thing you have to do is point out that here's the, here's the narrow way that I'm following. Here's the way that I understand Jesus said. That's what you can do. Not necessarily that you're condemning them or what they're doing because the individual that's violating the law of Christ is self-condemned. They don't need our judgment to tell them what's happening. We do not think of an airline pilot as being narrow-minded because they're following the direct course they're following and they're following the flight plan that they've, that they've filed. Think about this. You're in an aircraft with, with a man and, and you're saying, okay, he's, he's, got a, he's filed a flight plan and the air traffic controller said, here's where you should go. Here's the height you should be flying. Here's the direction you should be going. Here's the north, south, east, west directional takeoff and landing instructions for you. Follow those. When the pilot does that, does that mean he's narrow-minded? He's not narrow-minded. He's probably a broad-spirited fellow. He's probably very compassionate to everybody around him, but he's not going to get off the path because he knows if he does, he's going to endanger all the passengers. He's not going to get his cargo or his passengers safely to the next airport, to the destination. Being on the narrow path does not mean you are narrow-minded or judgmental. Somebody could walk up the cockpit and say, hey, why don't we go this way? How come we're flying this high? Let's go down here. Look over there. It look, looks like a better way to go over here. You know what? The guy's not going to do it. He's going to say, nope, sorry. <laughs> I'm following this course because it's a safe course, right? What about the ship's captain? When the captain of the ship is sailing his vessel from one port to the next across the vast sea, well, you can't, you can't see anything. It, sometimes it gets so dark, you can't even see the sky. You can't see the stars. You can't see anything. How does that pilot, how does that captain of that ship know where he is going? Because he has GPS coordinates. He has a non-magnetic compass. He has a magnet, magnetic compass. He has, he has other tools at his, at his disposal. Matter of fact, he has some of the most highly developed instruments to tell him where he should be that man can, can uh, develop for him. And that's what he's going to do. He's going to follow those directions. And they are narrow. But that ship's captain is probably not a narrow-minded man or woman. They're just assigned to that course, and that's where they're going to go. And it's safe. Safe for them and safe for their passengers. Now... You can be congenial and should be. You should be broad-hearted and should be on the narrow path. You should be broad-minded in terms of understanding the plight that other people have. Yes, it concerns me that people are confused about who they are. That does concern me. And yet, I'm I'm not required to monitor their behavior and judge them. I can simply tell them this. I can tell you the way you ought to go and I, I can point you to someone who can straighten you out on the narrow path and help you understand who you are, what you should be doing, and how you should be doing it. That's my job. 
My job again is to seek the safest course I can through life, and that's the following Jesus, to find that narrow gate and walk that narrow path described in the Scriptures. Jesus will open the gate, and he will, he will guide the tour. He will take us along. I'm not expected to be a gatekeeper, nor a monitor of who is or who is not on that path. What I'm expected to do is shine my light as an individual from what I know the scriptures teach of on the gate, here's what it is, and on the path, here's where it is. That's my responsibility. Jesus is the gatekeeper, and Jesus is the path monitor, and he's the guide for us. Well, it's a straight gate, and it's a narrow way. But it's a wonderful, wonderful life in Jesus Christ. Because you figure out, he will tell you who you are. And he will give you the confidence you need in your life to walk through this life and being the best person you can possibly be with his help. He doesn't care whether you're a janitor Maintenance engineer, if you want to call it that. As long as you're honest and good and have integrity. He doesn't care if you're the President of the United States. As long as you are an honest man and a, and a reliable man or woman and that you do your job as you should and that you care for other people like you care for yourself. That's what God is concerned about. Your path in life is not your career or it's not your goal of retirement or whatever it may be. Your path in life is the type of person you are and the character you have as you walk that path. And there's only one person who can help you with that project. That's Jesus Christ of Nazareth. And we encourage you to stay with him. Do not get off that path. Stay with him. Don't get confused. Stay with him. Don't let someone confuse you about what is right and wrong, morally or immorally. Stay with the one who can take you through this perilous time on the narrow path. Stay with him. Don't let people distract you. Stay with him. God help you. Let's stand and sing our song of invitation. <laughs>